Well, good morning. It's so good to be together and so good to be back at, uh, in, at the Lighthouse. And um, thanks for sending us to Zimbabwe. It was a really good time. We are doing this series called the Older Brother Series. And um, can I please have this monitor in front of me on, Zando, so that I know what's behind me? Is that okay? And um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to just read the part of the prodigal story from Luke 15, from verse 11 to 32. Terry, I think it was last week, Terry, did you preach last week, eh? Yes. yes. On the, and she covered the younger brother. This week, I'm going to be covering the older brother. Next week, we're going to be talking about Jesus, who is the perfect son. All right? And then the, the week after that, at the end of the series, we're going to be looking at God the Father. And um, I, honestly, this series and the truths that are contained in the story have the power to totally transform your life. Amen? And um, so, yeah, so let's read. Um, it's Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, and it says this. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called to one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered the father or his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you, never disobeying your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But, you've got to hear the animosity in this but. But, when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home. You kill the fatted calf for him, exclamation mark. This guy is angry with his father. And he's angry with his older brother. Verse 31. The younger brother, sorry. Verse 31. Listen, look at the father. My son, the father said, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours, he was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is now found. Isn't that amazing? And so what do we see in the story? This is just a little quicker recap from, uh, from last week. When we read the story, we see three, father, three sons, three fathers, two kingdoms, and three options. And it's so important that you understand this because so many people have been Christians all of their lives and, and they miss this. So what are, who are the three sons? The three sons are the younger brother who represents worldly people who are worldly. The older brother represents those who are religious. And the third son in the story, the unobvious one, is Jesus, the perfect kingdom son, telling the story. The three fathers is obviously the earthly father contained in the story, the heavenly father who he represents, and then there is the father of lives, the devil, whom the younger brother was serving while he was lost in the world, and who I will prove to you today, the older brother was serving as a religious slave. And that is the most shocking thing in this whole story, that the older brother was as lost as his younger brother. And hopefully I can convince you of that. You see, there's two kingdoms in the world. There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Amen? 
And sometimes in our battle against these two kingdoms, we think there's, we, we, we get a bit confused. But what we need to see, that there are three options in the world, not just two. While there are two kingdoms, there are three options. And this is so amazing when you see it and so confusing when you don't. So what are the two options? Well, the first option that Satan presents to us in his kingdom is the obvious option. It's the sinful option. It's the, will, it's the younger brother option. Sin, Satan comes and, and, and he, you know, in the Garden of Eden, he, just, he just, just throws something out at Eve. He says, did God say you, say you really can't eat from any tree in the garden? And she grabs a rope like John did. He, it was a wrong statement. He knew it was a wrong statement. So did she because she corrected him. She said, no, we are free to eat from the trees in the garden. There's just one we can't. But what's happened is, She's taken the bait. Then he says to her, you will not surely die when you eat of that tree. Are you with me? And so it carries on. And what happens is Satan comes to younger brothers, people in the world, and he puts it and sin becomes a noose. And all he does is he just, don't worry. He just, he puts it on you. He wants you to get comfortable with it. But eventually what happens is that noose, my friend, becomes something. And you see, you know what the problem with sin is? What nails you when it comes to sin? There's guilt, but more than the guilt, you know what nails you? The consequences. In the world, you know, you know, you know how the devil uses sin to kill people? All themselves. Sin, you commit suicide when you sin. You kill yourself. Satan doesn't have to do much. He's just got to throw it out there, wait for you to take it. And as soon as you take it, my friend, the consequences, that's the story of the younger brother. He, Terry preached it, I can't, but think about it. He, became, he, he just got into the pigsty at the bottom, and Satan wanted to kill him. He wanted to get him, commit suicide. But thank God he knew, his, he, he remembered his father, and he came back. Amen? And I'll later on in the story, the second option is, what we see in the story of this kingdom is religion. And, and so many people, including me in my life, I definitely was a younger brother and I definitely was involved in sin. And then I came back to the Lord. And the set, Satan then changes his tactic and he doesn't use, he doesn't use sin in this context with the, with the older brothers as a noose. You know what he uses them as? A whip, my friends. And he uses the law and he whips you. And he whips you. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. You never can do anything. And he whips you and he whips you and he drives you and he drives you in religion. You understand what I'm trying to say? But then there's this third option, this glorious option, this option of the kingdom of God and of Jesus where you don't work for the Father, you don't slave for the Father, but that you work with the Father, with His presence, with His resources, and you walk in this glorious freedom called the kingdom of God. Now, we haven't even got to really speak about the kingdom of God much in the series, but next week and the following week, we're going to show you what God the Father, what the Son do to bring you into the kingdom and into this glorious freedom as sons and daughters. Amen? I got dressed up for you today. That doesn't look like it, but I did. 
okay? When I came back out of the, king, out of the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of light, I watched Braveheart. And after I watched it move, I had a two-hour prayer time with the Lord. And I asked this to the Lord. I said, Father, promise me that you'll make me like that in your kingdom one day or take me home tonight. I don't want to just exist on this earth. And the next day we went to a leaders meeting at Cornerstone and they, they prophesied over me and they said, hey, we see you running through this forest with this meat chopper or this axe and you, 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 you blazing it like a trail through this forest. But behind you, there's this highway of people that are coming. Are you with me? The problem is this. That instead of going from the kingdom of dark, darkness in the world into the kingdom of the sun, guess where I went into? I went into the kingdom of the whip. Come on! And I became this religious sinner. And in the last five to seven years, God has started to show us and me the, king, the, the kingdom in a way that I've never ever understood it before. Now listen, I need you to understand something. I got saved and born again when I was nine years old. You can be born again, but still have the residue of worldliness in your life. You can be born again and still have the residue of religion in your life. But the Father's will is that we would become an army of warriors that would lead people out of worldliness and out of religion and into the kingdom of His Son. Amen? So that's why I'm wearing this warrior t-shirt. I've got these socks on and I got them for Father's Day a couple of years ago. It says, number one dad. Now, I'm really not the number one dad. But... God is the best dad and the best father on the planet. And it's the knowledge of the father that brings us into the kingdom through what the son has done. Amen. About seven years ago, Shane Harrison, who's no longer in our church, but some of you will know him, gave me 7,000 rand. And he said, I want you to go and find a pair of boots because I believe that God is going to raise you up in the next while to be a general. And you're going to have to command us as an army. It took me two years to find the boots. And these are the boots. I saw them. I was Mara and I went on our 25th anniversary cruise in Paris. And we walked past the shop. And I saw these boots in the window. And the Lord said to me, those are the boots. I went to the army. And these do look like army boots. Except they've got a very nice pattern on them. Am I right? And... And I really feel like Lighthouse, this next season that God is, God is taking us as a church, is we are going to, God is, going to be, is raising us up to be an army that represents his kingdom of warriors that know our Father, that are tired of the noose of sin, that are tired of the whip of religion, and we want to pursue the kingdom of God. Who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? I want to go, my friends. I want to go. And so... This is the, that's kind of the overview of, of what we've been talking about. Now, this morning, I want to talk to you about the older brother. If you could please go to the next slide. And the problem with the older brother is this, is that it's so sneaky. You know what I'm trying to say? I promise you, when I got back, 
out of being a worldly sinner and, got, and, and decided, I'm giving my life to you, Jesus. I got stuck into Cornerstone Church. I really, with everything inside of me, wanted to serve God and please Him and advance His kingdom. Are you with me? But it just got caught up in a little bit of religion and things like that. Now, it's important for me to maybe explain to us what we mean when we say religious sinners. There's a difference between the gospel and Jesus and the gospel of the kingdom of God and religion. And this is the difference. Please understand this. Religion, when we mean by religion, we, we don't mean belief in God. We mean belief in God that presents the solution to man's problem as man's work and man's effort. So, for example, in Buddhism, you try your best to be a good person. And the, and the, the, the wonderful thing about Buddhism is that you get, it's like a TV game, video game. You just get a reset button. Every time you die, life resets. If you were a gooder being, then you reincarnated as a slightly better being. And so you carry on until you reach nirvana. But it depends on you and how well you live and how much karma you have. It's going to happen. And if you're negative, then you go backwards. You understand? That's, that's a religion. But what's the focus on? What do you do? In Muslim, in, in, the Muslim, in, in Islam, there's for the four tenets of Islam. Okay? And you've got to do these four things in order to be saved. In Judaism... The Jews need the law, all right? And then they have the Ten Commandments, the law of Moses, and they've got all of these things. And if you're a good Jew, you go to heaven. And if you're a bad Jew, you go to hell. Christianity, a lot of Christianity is just religion. And the focus is on you and what you do. And you see, the problem with all religions is, is like I've said, whatever the religious code is, whatever the religious practice is, my friend, a spirit of religion comes and uses that code as a whip. And you just never, ever know, did I make it? And inside of you, you know you haven't made it. Because you know you are sinful. And you know there's things in your life that you're still dealing with. You're following me? So when we speak of a relig religious older brother, we're talking about, see, religion is man's attempt to become good enough for God. That's religion. But the gospel, and Jesus says, no, sinful fallen man will never, ever reach that place of perfection that God requires. So what did God do? He sent Jesus in the image of fallen man to become a sacrifice for man's sin. So God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that through Christ we might become God's righteousness. Do you understand that? And so the king, in the kingdom, God does something for you that you could never do for yourself. Like John read to us this morning, salvation is not of works that any man should boast. It is the gift of God. See, God gifts you Salvation. He gifts you the kingdom and he invites you into his kingdom. And this is what religious people don't understand. And this is what a lot of us don't understand. And we find ourselves still trying to earn and deserve this. So now I'm going to give you 
two descriptions of this. Firstly, in John chapter 8, and you see the reference there, John chapter 8, verse 31 to 47, please, homework, we'll send this whole PowerPoint out to you, okay? Now, some people are auditory, some people are visual, some people are kinetic. I, don't, I, I do care about you, but I don't care how you learn, as long as you learn. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? And so, in this John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking... And I can't, because of time, I can't tell you the whole story, but he's speaking to the Jewish people that are liking what he's saying and they're listening to him. And he says, it's, it's, at one part, he says this He says, You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. They say, We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we must be set free? Jesus says to them, You belong to your father and you do what your father desires. Then, 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 then they say, what do you mean? The only father we have is God himself. Okay? <laughs> and then Jesus says, I tell you the truth. A slave has no permanent place in the family. But a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Now he's talking to the Jewish people who were religious. And he's saying, you are a slave to religion. Now this is shocking. Verse 44, he says, to the religious people, he says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He is a liar, and he is the father of lies. And like I've already said to you today, the devil comes to people in the world and he lies to them. And he says to them, there's no such thing as God. There's no such thing as truth. There's no thing as rose. Become a slave to sin. You can go your own way. You can do your own thing. I did it my way. And sin kills you by becoming a noose. There's another lie, he says. And he brings a religious lie. And he says, okay, work hard. Become good enough for God. You can do it. And he whips you and he whips you. You never do it. And these guys ended up killing Jesus, crucifying him on the cross because they were blinded and they were serving their father who is a murderer. But Saul, who became Paul, was persecuting the church and he was putting them in jail and killing them. And Jesus said this in John 14 at the end of it. He says, there will come a time when anyone who, thinks, anyone who kills you will think he's doing God a service. People don't kill people just for Soma. They're killing them because they think they're actually helping God. But they're serving the devil. Now that shocks me. Does it shock you? Now, you would think, you know, I mean, you think of guys that blow themselves up and kill other people in the process. You'd think, okay, we get those guys. You know, those guys must be cooked. And those guys are definitely... We can see how they would go to heaven being religious. Yes? What about the good religious person? What about the person that is not a jihadist, that genuinely is searching for God and is genuinely doing their absolute best to be a good person in their attempt to appease God? What do you think their status is? Because you would think, well, maybe they've got a chance at least. Now, I'm going to read to you. Let's read it together. This is the story of Cornelius. Now, Cornelius 
was the first Gentile to receive the Holy Spirit to be born again and his family to be saved. I want you to see what kind of man this guy was. At Caesarea Philippi, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generally to those in need, and he prayed regularly to God. Is this a good man? Let me say it again. Is this a good man? Yes. He's better than most probably every one of us in this room, if we're honest. One day, at about the time of three in the afternoon, he had a vision and distinctly saw an angel of God come to him and say, Cornelius! Exclamation mark. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. So had God seen his good works? Yes. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying at Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. While talking with, okay, um, so he gets instructions, am I right, to go and send for Peter. Now, what happens is at this similar time, God gives Peter a vision, and God shows Peter a cloud, a, a, a cloth with all these unclean animals coming down, and God says to him, kill and eat. Peter says, I can't, Lord, it's unclean. Then God says, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. So Peter then, these guys say, listen, we've been sent from Cornelius, you've got to come and talk to him. Okay, so Peter goes. Now this is Peter talking to Cornelius in Peter's house. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large crowd of people and said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. You need to understand, he is breaking his religious law code. Am I right? Jewish people cannot eat or be friends with or go into the house of unclean Gentiles. I'm breaking the law. It's against my law to come in here. It's against my religious belief. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure, unclean. What does the older brother say to the father? Look, look at this son of yours who wasted your wealth on prostitutes and wild living. He's unclean, he's impure, he's bad. And you celebrate for him and you throw a party for him. You're a bad father. Why are you a bad father? Because the guilty, you say, well done for your sin. And me, who's been slaving for you all of these years, never obeying your orders, you've never given me anything. You're a bad father. You're a bad God. You're worthless. Serving you is worthless. See the attitude of the older brother. Ever felt like that? Your Christianity, your religion, you might as well chuck it because it's a waste of time. And you think, God, I deserve more than this God. God, you owe me. Could be a bit of older brother in you. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send for, send for Joppa to Simon who is called Peter. He is a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately. It was good of you to come. Now listen to this. Very important. Listen to what he says. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Amazing, hey? So then he preaches the gospel to them. 
My friends, while he's preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit falls on them. They are baptized in the Spirit. They start speaking in tongues. They're baptized in water. This whole family is saved. The first Gentile believers to get born again. Okay? Now, this is problematic. So now let's quickly read Acts 11 verse 14. Sorry, Acts 11 verse 1 to 4. The apostles and believers throughout Judah heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, now watch ya, the circumcised believers, the circumcised, the ones with the law, the religious, okay, said to him, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and you ate with them. How could you do that? Do you see? Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. He told them how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon who's called Peter. Now this is verse 14. This is the absolute key today. He will bring you a message through which you and your household, whole household will be what? Saved. Mikhail, is Cornelius saved before this? Answer me, but hey, he's dead in his sin. He's not saved. Let this be a wake-up call for you, my friends. No one, even a good, okay, jihadist, blows himself up. We understand for sure the guy's got to be cooked. He's going to hell. But what about the good person? The God-fearing person gives gifts to the poor. Praise regularly to God. His whole family are devout. They're doing their best to serve God in their religious way. They need Peters. They need angels. They need our prayers. And they need us to be sent by God to go and give them the message by which they and their whole household can be saved. And if you don't get shocked by that, my friends, then you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you this morning. How many good people out there, people better than you and me, they're doing their best to serve God, but they are dead in their sins, dead in their trespasses, and blinded by the older brother of religious sin, the father of lies, has held them captive. Does that not do something for you? Does that not inspire something inside of you? Because it does to me. Isn't that amazing, hey? As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. And then I remembered what the Lord said to us. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And if God gave them the gift, he gave us who believed in the Lord. Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections. Praise God and said, wow. So even the Gentiles, God has God re- granted repentance that leads to Life. What sin did Cornelius have to repent of? This, he, he, he didn't even have much sin in his life. Do you know what his only sin was? I can do it. I can be good enough for God. But I, even don't think, I don't even think Cornelius had that hard attitude. I think he was a good man and a humble man. And he was doing his best to find God. And guess what happened? God found him. 
You know, people always say, oh, what about those that never heard? What about those that don't believe? My friends, there's two answers to that. Number one, angels. Number two, you. And number three, you've got to be willing to go. My friends, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was as good as a Muslim jihadist. Because he was killing the Christians. And Luca, if God said to you, he came to you in a vision, and he said, Luca, there in Jeppe town, by the rental plaza, there's a man by the name of Muhammad Ahmed Mulaka. And he has been sent here to come and blow up churches across South Africa. And he's come to persecute us. But he has seen a vision of a man named Luca coming to him. And he's living on Straight Street. Go, pray for him. Heal him of his blindness because he's seen a vision of me. And he's seen a man with your name saying, come and be saved. Would you go? At the risk of your life. Because you've heard about this guy. That's what that guy did. Ananias. And you know who Ananias was? He was just a disciple at the church in Damascus. But he led the first Billy Graham to the Lord. I don't know about you. I want to be a part of that army. I want to be a part of that army. I want to know my dad so much. And I want to walk in his ways. And enlist in that army, my friend. But I'm going to need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to need the resources of the Father to do this. Now, is that helpful, guys? Is this, I hope this does something for you. Quickly, I've got 13 minutes. I'm going, to, I'm going to list for you all the characteristics of religion from the older brother. Are you ready for it? Is this helpful? Shocking, eh? Please let it shock you. If you're not shocking you, you're not listening. Okay, let's go to the next slide there. So the older brother, hey? Older brother, a religious sinner. He is a son of Satan. Now, do you believe that? Jesus says you belong to your father, the devil. Please give me a revelation of this Lord. You know, what do you, you know when I walk around the mall? I want to, Father, I want to see younger brothers and I want to see older brothers. I want to see dead men and women walking. Give me the eyes of the heart to see that, to see the harvest. Open your eyes, look around you. Jesus says the harvest is white, but the workers are few. Zombies, spiritual zombies and sinner zombies with whips and nooses around their necks. And we, the children of the light, need to come and give them the kiss of love that can deliver them from their zombiness. Amen? Look at his odd attitude and response to the older brother's return. Verse 28 to 27, 28. One, he's angry. He's angry. Now, who's he angry with? He's angry with his dad and he's angry with his brother. And I want to tell you, my friends, a lot of religious people, guess what their default is? Anger. I don't know, do you have anger issues? If you've got anger issues, you need to ask God to help you to look inside to see what are the things that are rattling around inside of you. I've had anger issues, my friends, big time. Not angry today, just in case you think, okay? I'm angry with the devil, not with you. Amen? Okay? The f- now, watch out. In both stories, who makes the first move to the sons? The father. Our heavenly father is awesome. He loves younger brothers and he loves older brothers. And the father always goes to meet us where we're at. Isn't that amazing? Thank God for that, eh? This guy, the father has to go out to him and beg him. The life of this guy has been a grind. 
But this oak, I reckon you look at his back, China. This oak has been, ah, 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 clapping himself, slaving for the Father. There's no joy in this guy's life. Next slide. Please. He says to the Father, look. Now, now, remember the older brother says, the younger brother says to the Father, I wish you were dead, but you're not going to die anytime soon. Give me my inheritance. That's his attitude towards the Father. Look at the attitude of the older brother to this father. Hey, you dumb, old, blind, stupid bat. Look, open your eyes. You're so in love with this older piece of scum who's full of big SH1T that you can't see that this guy's pulling the wool over your eyes. And like any other drug addict, he's just coming home for more bucks so he can go and get high again. Open your eyes, you idiot. Me, can't you see what I've been doing, slaving for you all of these years? And you're so infatuated with this idiot son of yours that you bless him and you punish me. You think he's got issues? You think he's got daddy issues? Can you see it? You know what Jesus says, Matthew 4, 15, 14. Leave them. Speaking of the religious, they are blind gods. And if the blind lead the blind, they will all fall into a pit. That pit, my friend, is the pit of hell. Come again, stay in the box. Stay in the box. Get back into a religious box, Bruce. Okay. All these years, he says all these years. In other words, there's been no love and joy. I've been with you here at the Father's house all these years. You know what? When in Genesis 29 verse 20, you remember uh, what's his name? Jacob had to serve for, for Rachel. Remember this, the, the, the other chick? The, the first, the first the th- he says, it says there. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only for a few days because of his love for her. I want to tell you, my friends, just do an audit on your heart right now. Your Christianity, has it been... Only a few years because you've been loving Jesus so much. It's been, but what's your jail sentence been? But I've been 30 years. You? I've been slaving in this church for 21 years. That'll tell you if you're religious or not. Now look at the next thing. I have been. I have been. What's his emphasis on? What, what the Father has done for him or what he has done for the Father? I. You know, you know the story of the rich young ruler? He comes to Jesus there in Matthew 19 and he says, Good teacher, what good things must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what must I do? It's a religious question. So how does Jesus answer him with a religious answer? You must obey the commands. And then he says, I've done all of these things since I was a young man. You know what Jesus says? One thing you lack. I can, I, honestly, I see Jesus saying it with a smile. Because Jesus knows in religion, you're always going to lack one thing. You're never going to be good enough. You're always going to have something in your life, my friend. So he says to him, one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have. Come and follow me. Because my friend, he knew 
that was a religious order this guy could not say yes to. See, you fall short. Because in religion, you will always fall short. Don't, thank you. Don't, it's not about you, what you do. It's about God and what he's done for you. Yes, we're going to get to it next week. In the kingdom of God, there's things for you to do. But you don't do them for God. You do them with God. That's the big difference. Next slide. Slaving for you. Now we start to see this guy's identity. Ian, does this guy identify as a son of this father or as a slave? He identifies as a slave. Now remember I told you the story of John 8. John 8, it says there, Jesus replied, Very, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. If the son sets you free, you will be what? Free indeed. Have we got the gospel? Do we know the son? Does, have we become born again? Has he set us free? Then let's throw off a loke of religion. Let's throw a loke of sin. And let's fall in love with the son and the father. Amen? I have been slaving for you. So slave identity. Not son, identity, slave. And then for you. He works with the father. So he works for the father, not with the father. That's the massive difference between religion and the kingdom of God. In religion, we work for God. In the kingdom of God, we work with God. In 1 Corinthians 3.19, it says, We are God's co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. In other words, co-workers, we work with God, not for God. Isn't that amazing? Happy? Next slide. He does not know the Father's business. Now listen, what's the Father's business? For God so loved the, that he sent his only son, whoever should believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 15, that's I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll bear much fruit. Do you know what the fruit is? Fruit of salvation. Fruit of people getting saved through your life and your witness and your testimony. He says this there, I no longer call you servants or slaves because servants and slaves do not know their master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything I've learned from my mother, father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Whatever you ask in that name of my father, I'll give for you. This is Jesus, Gabby, inviting us in to the family business. And you know what the family business is? The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Because that's how the Father answers him. He says, my son, my son, my son, don't you understand? This brother of yours, he was lost, but now he's found. He is dead, but now he's alive. We had to celebrate and have a party. Because this is our business, not religion. And your problem is you're so stuck up doing work. You forgot the business. We're in the people business. Isn't like Mary and Martha. Martha's so worried about working for the dinner that she misses the presence of Jesus. Why are we having a worship evening tonight? Because we just want to love on Jesus and his presence. Ah, oh, I'm just going to go to a worship evening. What am I going to do? I'm just going to go sit there and do nothing. Yeah, that's right. If you're a religious slave. But if you are a son or daughter of the kingdom, you want to be with your father. And in your father's presence, you have your father's resources. And you catch your father's heart. And your eyes are opened and you understand what life is all about. 
Amen? Helpful? He does not know his identity. Next slide. As the son of the father. I've been slaving for you. Identifies as a religious slave and not as a son. This he says, I've never disobeyed your orders. This gives us an insight into his prayer life. Now, younger brother. What's a younger brother? We've just done a series on being devoted and we did a prayer series, eh? Younger brother, how does he pray? He doesn't pray. Exactly. First of all, he doesn't pray. He doesn't want the father's advice. He doesn't want the father's guidance. He gets all the father's stuff. He says, his prayer is just, gimme, gimme, gimme. And then as soon as he's got it, he says, cheers, brew. I don't want any of your advice. Foot sack out of my life. Because I got what I want. That's the prayer life of the younger brother. The older brother, you know what his prayer life is? Prayer is not intimate communication and fellowship with the Father, catching the Father's heart, hearing not just what the Father wants you to do, but how He wants you to do it, who He wants you to do it with, when He wants you to do it, at what time. Do you know what prayer is? It's getting commands from the Father. And but if you don't do those commands, Frank, exactly how the Father wants. And what, whoo, what's the Father going to pull out, but what's He pulling out, Tana? He's pulling out the whip, bro. So for him, pray, receive commands that you better not disobey. No intimacy, no love, no fellowship with the Father. Isn't that amazing? Okay. His view of God was that God was a hard taskmaster and not a loving Father. Guys, we've got to renew our minds when it comes to the Father. Can you see how good this Father is? Towards the Son that deserves the whip. He puts the whip down and he gives him the robe and the ring and the sandals. And we're going to look at that next week. And the fatted calf and the party. To the oldest son that's been slaving for him. He says these words. And I'm going to close with this. Please let them be the next words, yeah? Yes. He did, okay. Um, I, I'll just tell you because it's not there. He says this. He says to him. This is how the father responds to the religious slave. He says, my son, everything I have is yours, and you are always with me. You know, if my son spoke to me like that, about when I'm spending mother, my money, blessing my younger son who I lost, and my son has the audacity to talk to me like that, but I'm putting on my boots, and I'm going to plant them where the sun don't shine. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm going to give him what he deserves. But God does not treat us as our sins deserve. He does not treat the younger brother as his sins deserve. He does not treat the older brother as his sins deserve. Because God is amazing. And he loves. And he's for us. He's the, God is the best being on the planet. Universe in existence. And Satan What's my time? I've got 40 minutes done, eh? Okay. Let me just quickly. He says, to, okay, I have to tell you this. Sorry. Go to that one where it says receive. The next slide, please. Guys, this is so important. Don't worry about that. Go to this go to slide where he says, I think it's slide 19. Look, there it is. That's, that's the one. Um, just slide 19. I believe this with all of my heart. It's not our ability to work for God that's going to determine our effectiveness as a church in the next season. But it's going to be our ability to receive from God. 
You see, what do you mean, Bruce? Now watch out. This is going to shock you. In Luke chapter 15, verse 12, it says there, the youngest son said to his father, Father, give me my share inheritance. So he divided this property between them. You know what that means, Mike? It means that the older brother got the same inheritance as the younger brother. But the older brother, Jared, the older brother never received his inheritance. Because he was so busy working for the father that he didn't receive from the father. Can you imagine, Steve, working for something your whole life, a kid goat, not realizing you could have had the fattened cough any time you wanted? Does that sound like someone living under the lies of the devil? A religious slave? Hey, Jalice, do you want that? I don't want that. Can you identify with this? Can you see we need a bit of a revival at Lighthouse? We need religion broken off of us. We need to come into the kingdom. Amen? This morning in my, in my shower, I felt the Lord say to me this. And, I'm, and really, I am closing with this. This is a ministry opportunity now. You know what we suffer with? Both as younger brothers and older brothers is this. Listen to me very carefully. Shame. Younger brothers. Look, it's shameful what we've done in our past. Aren't you ashamed of the things you've done in your past? Huh? The sexual sins you've committed. Prostitution was the younger brother's sin. The financial sins you've committed. Have you lied and stolen and cheated to make money? Have you served mammon? And then you come to the service and the Satan says to you, remember John, you told that lie to that customer. Remember you lied on that report. Remember that quote. And he tells you how you sinned and he puts shame on you. He reminds you of your sin. He reminds you of all the things you've done. And then he says to you, you know what your problem is? Listen to me, Candace. This is what he says. He doesn't say you're guilty of something. See, guilt is I did something wrong. In other words, my behavior was wrong. Shame is you are something wrong. JC, you were born a mistake. You are a mistake. And shame is an attack on your identity because he says you are a piece of worthless dung. Now, you know how he gets the older brother? He keeps on reminding the older brother of all of the stuff he's done. So what does the older brother does? He vurvurs. You know what a vurvur is? The thing that does this. He just reminds you and then he says, now work. Prove it. And then you work and he whips you. And then he says, not enough. Do it again. Shame, shame, shame. I've been there, done that, started in the movie, got the t-shirt. But what does God want from you today? He wants to wash shame away. Do you know why Jesus, do you know Jesus, my friends, when he was crucified, how was he crucified? Now, I will not do it, but can you imagine how shameful I would feel and how embarrassed you would feel if I stripped down naked right here now? Hey, think of that. Wouldn't be a pleasant sight. And all I'd want to do is this. Jesus, my friends, the Son of God on the cross, crucified naked. Do you know why? God shamed him so that your shame can be flushed away, so that your, you can be free from the guilt, 
of sin and you can be free from the shame of sin. And yes, Steve, let God touch you. God is touching you as you stand there. But let God touch you. Open your heart and let God wash away. You are not a mistake, JC. You're a son of God. God loves you. Let that spirit of rejection be broken off of you today, my son. You, God says to you, you're my son. Remember what it says in 1 John 1, 2. It says this. Not born of a husband's decision or of a human will, but a born of God. You don't have to apologize for living, my brother. That spirit of rejection, my friend, today God is breaking it off of your life. I'm telling you, I was in the shower and I was washing myself this morning. And God said, today I'm washing religion. I'm washing shame. I'm washing guilt. And I'm, yes, Ian, God is touching you. And I'm bringing them into the kingdom of my son. Today, my friends, we rise. Marae, God is touching you as well. Today, you arise as a warrior princess, as a Joan of Arc, as a Deborah in God's kingdom, and you're going to set the captives free. Why don't you stand to your feet? Mm-hmm.